0: Welcome to Lab Life with the Air Force Research Laboratory.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm Kenneth. Hello, folks. Today we are joined by Major Camden Caddy and Dr. Dave D. Prospero to discuss the JADC2 ABMS Vision, cybersecurity, and how it aided the Air Force's quick response to the COVID-19 pandemic. In three, two, one. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Lab Life. Today, we'll be talking about the exciting new technologies that AFRL Information Directorate is developing to realize the Joint All-Domain Command and Control Advanced Battle Management System, or JADC2 and ABMS. We'll be using that acronym throughout the podcast. We want to make sure we said this beforehand, and we'll be repeating it throughout the uh, interview here. So expect that. So we have two folks here who have been working on these projects and kind of helping expand its purview. We want to bring them here to give us more context as to what's happening and what it's all about. So, first, we have Major Camden Cady, AFRL Cross-Domain Information and Sciences Program Manager and Device One Product Line Manager for ADMS. And second, we have Dr. Dave DeProspero, SecureView Operational Engineer Lead. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Good afternoon. Thanks for having
1: us. So, the first question we had for you to kind of start things off. So, Major, we wanted to start with you. Uh, can you give us a little background on the Cross-Domain Innovation in Science or CDIS team or CDIS?
0: Sure. So the Cross-Domain Innovation Science team, or CEDIS Group, we're a research group, and we do research focused on making cross-domain or multi-level security easier. So what that means is really anything that touches more than one network at a different level of classification. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it easier to safely use the classified information that the warfighter needs to do their job.
1: Uh, that's amazing. So uh, this kind of process then, like can you kind of walk through what that looks like or kind of how people Keep this, uh, keep this secure? You said this is mostly done through, is this computer systems or can you kind of elaborate?
0: Yes, so these are all computer systems. And uh, you know, sometime in the past, uh, these might've all been built on kind of custom DOD platforms. And now we're able to leverage a lot of commercial technology to do the same job. Uh, but you've basically got uh, access solutions, which just allow you to access data at different levels of classification. And then you've got transfer solutions, which would allow you to move that data around between these
1: different networks. That's awesome. And can you kind of go into, uh, tell us how like JADC2 and ABMS, excuse me, and how cross-domain information sharing fits into that vision?
0: So uh, JADC2, like you already told the audience, is Joint All-Domain Command and Control. Uh, ABMS, of course, is Advanced Battle Management System, which is the Air Force's system they're bringing to that JADC2 fight. And in one sentence, the overarching goal of the entire ABMS program is to connect every sensor, whether it's in the air, space, sea, ground, cyber, whatever domain that sensors in to every shooter which again might be anywhere in any domain and uh, might even be a member of a coalition force so since we're not going to just let the robot to duke it out on behalf of the country what that really means is getting the right information to the right decision maker at the right time so in order to turn that vision into reality there's about two dozen product lines that come together as one so all those product line names have the, the word one in them for the most part so all those sensors and all those shooters, they're in different places. They might even be connected to separate networks. So that's where cross-domain one comes in. So that's the, one of those cross-domain transfer solutions that I mentioned earlier. And that's the only type of system that's allowed to automatically move data between networks at different levels of classification. So the branch that we work in has quite a bit of familiarity with cross-domain solutions because they've built a bunch of different ones that support things like moving voice and video across different networks, that V2CDS, or they can transfer all sorts of different files and data between those networks with Isi or Exarbiter. So cross-domain one, that's gonna be the one-stop shop for cross-domain transfers in the ABMS ecosystem. Uh, Those decision-makers are also scattered around all on different networks. So sometimes we don't need to move all the data up and down between networks, but we can just give someone the right access to the different networks to see the data they need. So SecureView, which is another product out of branch, is an example of a cross-domain access solution, which lets you access more than one network. So maybe an unclassified network and a classified network, but from the same computer. So that can really cut down on the number of transfers you have to make and allow the user to focus on the mission they're doing instead of struggling with all the IT and all the different computers on their desk.
3: Because that's really it. You have an operator, you have a scientist, an engineer, whoever, you know, warfighter, and they literally have A different computer for every system and then there's a whole process to get information from one system to the other depending on the classification level of that system
0: absolutely so sometimes that process is printed out and uh, then manually type it back in on the other system sometimes it's burning a disk and really our goal is to make that process easier and safer so that people aren't focusing on on the difficult stuff like that, and they can just focus on their mission.
3: So that's SecureView then? It, it, it kind of went in a little nutshell for the everyday user?
0: Yeah, SecureView, get rid of all those different computers on your desk and, and just let you connect to whatever network you need to.
1: And you mentioned again, just to reiterate, that like in the environment you're working in, this would just take different access. You said you'd be granted this access and you could just log on to get into SecureView?
0: I think that's actually a really good question for for Dave.
2: You know, it can happen like that. But basically, what it is, is all the different networks of different classifications, they all feed into the same box. So for the people who already have access to these networks, you just need one box on your desk. You don't need individual boxes for all the different types of networks that you use, uh, you know, in support of the mission. It's much more streamlined.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So that's cool. It's a very consolidated vision, like you said, much more efficient in many ways. So that, I mean, that's brilliant. Thinking about keeping mission savvy and making sure you have what you need when you need it, I mean, that'll be indispensable. That's incredible.
3: And then something that we've seen we've talked about during, you know, the COVID 19 pandemic and response is Device One. What's that about?
0: So Device One is a product line under the ABMS program that aims to get users access to the data they need when, where, and in the form factor they need it. So there's kind of three sub-product lines that got rolled up into device one. So there's phone one, tablet one, and box one. Uh, So box one is going to be your laptop or desktop computer. Uh, Tablet one might be an iPad or an Android tablet or even a a Windows tablet. And then phone one would be a smartphone. Uh, So across all of those, we're leveraging a lot of commercial technology. But what really differentiates device one from just going and and buying a device off the shelf and, and using it yourself is the ability to seamlessly scale and connect to all the appropriate levels of classification. So a great example of how we'd use device one uh, is a program we stood up in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which we call ABMS device one secure view or ADSV. So we've got a lot of people in the Air Force that need access to classified networks to do their job. And normally they do that in a secure facility, but right now we can't put them all in a classified workspace together due to Uh, the need to separate people to keep them healthy. So we were able to assemble a device one laptop that allows people to remotely access classified networks uh, from wherever they need to, whether that's home or an alternate work location. And to do that, we took advantage of a NSA effort called Commercial Solutions for Classified, uh, which sought to use commercial encryption products uh, to protect the classified information, uh, allowing us to hook all of that together. That way, they can connect back into the secure networks over the Internet, without information being compromised. So we layer that with some other commercial technologies uh, like virtual desktop infrastructure or VDI. So that way we can avoid pushing giant Windows updates over these VPNs, because that's terrible. And we also don't have to store any classified information on the actual laptops uh, because with VDI, all that gets sent over the network are actually pictures of your data and not moving the files itself. So that way, since there's no classified information on the device, we don't have to send everyone home with a giant 500-pound safe to sort a laptop in or do something like buy special self-encrypting drives that probably would have slowed down our push to get these laptops out. Uh, so we were actually able to field completely stock laptops for major vendors, uh, just like you or I could go order today. And then we were able to get them provisioned and shipped out right away. So what really let us go fast was that SecureView provided us a system to wrap all of those pieces together right out of the box. all that CSFC, that encryption, the VDI, and a secure computing platform. So we were able to just reuse a lot of existing infrastructure that was already installed uh, by some of their customers and Push out laptops really fast to the people who needed them.
3: It's just a really cool, like, application when you think about about it. I don't imagine that your team was thinking someday if there's a global pandemic, and we have teams in AFRL that was that were thinking about global pandemics. We're going to think need to think about sending almost all of our workforce home, including those uh, on classified networks and stuff, to work from home. This was really meant it, originally, probably for like in theater use or during you know deployments and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the use case that we'd all kind of pictured was, you know, what happens if you don't have the access to the network that you need in your particular deployed location? Uh, I don't think any of us ever dreamed that we'd be, you know, at home station um, and
1: denied access to our facilities like that.
3: It's a great pivot by all of you to apply the technologies that we've been working on for a different problem space. That's awesome.
1: And going on there's something you touched on, and I I got a little excited and kind of skipped ahead talking about SecureView. Uh, Dr. Dave, can you kind of tell us about what SecureView is and how it came to be?
2: Absolutely, Um, we did a fairly decent overview just a a couple of minutes ago, but uh, as Major Katie said, uh, SecureView is an access solution in the cross domain realm which means it doesn't transfer data, it just allows you to interact with it on the screen. As we also said, it allows you to connect different networks to a single computer uh, in a, a variety of classifications. Traditionally in the past, this type of interconnection would have been prohibited, frowned upon. Um, however, SecureView is designed with a very unique architecture. Uh, it allows physical and virtual isolation uh, right down to the, the processor, the, the individual registers of memory. Um, and because of this, it allows users to connect these varying networks to just one single screen, one pane of glass as we say. It provides a nice consolidated interface. And SecureView came about probably a decade ago because of an ODNI request. There was uh, an issue back at the time where there was no streamlined way to share information between the IC members. Uh, As comical as it sounds back then, uh, they actually had couriers that were driving around the beltway uh, from location to location with satchels of classified information and this was their streamlined method of sharing information now if you've ever been on the beltway <laughs> clearly you know that there's nothing streamlined about that so SecureView was developed as a need to help solve that problem for the people who use secure view it's seen as an operating system and you know that's that's good that's a good way to look at it but Formally, it's something called a type 1 hypervisor. So it allows virtualization of every part of the computer. Uh, Once SecureView is installed, the administrators then take the standard interface or uh, operating system that the users uh, utilize in their daily lives, whether it's Windows or Linux or, or whatever, and they install that on top of SecureView. So what SecureView does is it it actually virtualizes every aspect of the physical computer from the processor cores to, like I said, the RAM, uh, the different network interfaces, video cards, uh, various peripherals, and then SecureView makes these accessible in very specific configurations to the different operating systems uh, that are installed on top of SecureView. So that provides the necessary separation which allows the cross domain access to happen that that's what we say you know we make the magic happen of course you know this is a very very brief and simplified version of how all of this actually works but you know that's kind of it in a nutshell
3: i mean really simplified it for our users it, it it feels like magic right now to us <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i mean i mean to clarify a little bit cuz I heard some words that I didn't know and maybe some acronyms that our listeners aren't familiar with. So you said this request originally came from ODNI, which is the office of the director of national intelligence. So like this is a really important requirement when we're talking about that level in the the beltway, you know, that's, that's the the area around uh, the district of Columbia around DC. So lots of important intelligence work going there. So just clarify like the customer. I mean, there's lots of customers, even people you didn't imagine, but, and then you mention a hypervisor. I've never heard that word before. What's a hypervisor?
2: Yeah, you know, all of these terms are very foreign to people who don't work with this stuff. So a hypervisor is a virtualization system. Uh, it's what allows you to say, uh, you know, within Windows, it allows you to run Linux virtually, or, um, it, you know, there's a lot of different systems that allow you to run operating systems within other operating systems. So that would be considered a type two hypervisor. What a type one hypervisor is, is it's a system that's installed directly on the bare metal, right on the base computer. It's the very first thing that loads when the computer is turned on. And that's why a lot of people see SecureView as an operating system. Because, you know, usually when you power on the computer, boom, Windows loads, that's your operating system. For us uh, and for our DoD users, when you turn the computer on, SecureView loads. And that's what they see as their base operating system. And then, like I said, on top of SecureView, that's where you load or install all of the individual um, operating systems that the users need to do their daily jobs to meet the mission.
1: Interesting. So um, I, I'm no expert myself, but I've uh, fiddled around, built my own computer, and I just transitioned an operating system over to um, a solid state drive. So I was pretty proud of myself. So um, I, have an, I kind of get an idea of how to grasp this. Um, so what's interesting about that, I thought you were almost for, like partitioning a disk, but this truly is, like you said, the first thing that BIOS when you boot up. This is what's happening first. and Is that like a framework that talks to your OS then? Or are these, you said, are two separate entities?
2: They are two completely separate entities. Our system takes over the computer metaphorically as well as physically. uh, And like I said, it, it virtualizes all of those individual hardware pieces that make your computer work. And in that virtualization process, SecureView is then able to pass those virtual devices over to the different user virtual machines, the, the guest operating systems, as we call them, uh, to give each guest operating system access to resources from the computer that it needs to perform whatever it is that you know the primary task of that operating system is.
1: That's crazy. I'm sorry, I'm just like, yeah, taking that all in. That, that is such a cool a cool system. Like Michelle mentioned, I'd never heard of Hypervisor either. And it's amazing to see uh, what it's not only capable of, but like you mentioned, making sure, like let's say you making a, a laptop or even a tablet you pick up able to run on these systems or able to run with these classified views. Is wild to think that we could actually give that to the warfighter or make sure people at home can safely access files off uh, without having to get those huge systems like you mentioned having to lock them up after the day or trying to make sure you're not just looking over your shoulder while you're working it really does give people like you mentioned a secure view like it really does have the perfect name for it it sure does so that's, that's really neat. Um, and kind of going along here, then talking about some of the, the impetus behind many of these devices, uh, I want to ask you, Major, um, how did Device 1 and ADS-V come about?
0: Sure. So the entire ABMS journey towards Device 1 started back in December of 2019 time frame. When ABMS asked AFRL to write up how we would deliver a multi-level tablet, one of the ABMS on ramp events, which is where they get a bunch of people together and kind of test out their technologies in an actual warfighting scenario. So we got the team together here and we agreed that managing phones, tablets, and boxes, those laptops or desktop computers, as different product lines was kind of counterproductive. So we named our proposal Device One to kind of encapsulate all of those. So we put together a quick white paper describing Device One. And the SecureView team even had a mock-up demo in place that very same day, in the afternoon. So that white paper eventually became a full-up proposal and was accepted by the ABMS program. So while we were working towards putting together some tablets running SecureView for one of these on-ramp events, uh, we also made a pitch at the ABMS Flip the Script Day uh, in February of 2020 um, and said, hey, we'd like to manage this whole product line, device one. And little did we know that when we traveled to that that event, that that would be our last time traveling for quite a while.
1: And I know Michelle kind of touched on it earlier. You you talked about the impact or how this has kind of changed due to COVID-19. But I'm interested hearing both of your unique perspectives working on these teams, uh, whether it be with AVMS or even with SecureView, how you've seen these systems benefit and uh, help the worker during COVID-19.
0: Yeah, so in, in March... Of this year, uh, the decision was made that everyone from the AFRL Information Directorate up here in Rome, New York, uh, was going to go work from home in order to prevent the community spread of COVID nineteen. Um, so, honestly, that wasn't easy for anyone, especially those first few weeks when you know um, the Air Force was still figuring out from an IT perspective how to support all those home users. But I, I think that our team actually responded really well to that because we're used to working on the road, visiting customers, stuff like that. So working remotely kind of worked for us. But in that very first week we were home, uh, the chief architect, so he sits in the uh, SAF-AQ, so the Secretary of the Air Force Acquisition Office at the Pentagon, he called us asking if we could use any of the tech that we were preparing for the on-ramps to support remote workers that needed to access classified information, uh, but weren't able to access their normal work location due to COVID-19. So we only had a day or two to put together a an answer to that, but we knew going in that the answer was definitely yes, that we could mix all these technologies together and put together this uh, remote work configuration that would allow people to safely and securely access the information from their house.
1: And it sounds like things have gone off very well. I mean, I've even re- um, read some articles about how the system or systems like this have really helped workers, especially in the DOD space. Uh, really, like we kind of discussed, not only exist, but safely view documents from home and make sure we can do it on systems we may already own or supplied um, uh, by our supervisors. But uh, before we go ahead, something that just kind of caught my interest, and I was uh, curious. Ah, uh, you mentioned that during all this, the chief architect called you to ask. Can you kind of explain what their position is? Because that sounds—I mean—almost like something from the Matrix. It sounds kind of cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the chief architect of the Air Force is uh, Mr. Preston Dunlap, and he is overseeing the entirety of the ABMS program. In addition to being, you know, the chief, he is the chief architect for the entire department, meaning the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Space Force. Uh, he works very closely with Dr. Will Roper. And really guides everything we do, but it's in his role as the program manager, if you will, in charge of the entirety of the ABMS program, that that he called us and asked us what we could put together to deal with COVID.
1: And that again just goes to show how important this mission is. That you have so much, uh, so much leadership, the Air Force from AFRL, uh, from the Space Force, saying, "Hey, like we need this in place to make sure we can continue our mission." And again, clearly that is shown through. Um, and that's why I, I want to go on the other side. So, Dr. Dave, can you kind of talk about how SecureView, we've kind of, you know, broached the topic, but really going into how it's helped during the pandemic and helped people working from home?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost comical how perfectly it aligned, because what SecureView does, uh, you know, day in and day out for the last 10 years, that's exactly what the DOD needed during this time of COVID shutdown. So we stepped in. Uh, SecureView already enables multi-domain access, which is what was needed. We already have a lot of remote deployments. That's fantastic. And most importantly, one of the mission sites where, where we're at, they already implemented the VDI, the virtual desktop infrastructure, as Major Katie mentioned, as well as that CSFC stack, the remote access. So fortunately, what we were able to do was Pair SecureView to this mission site solution, and we took advantage of the infrastructure that was already in place, and that's that's how you know ADSV came to be the the COVID solution. Uh, another factor was, uh, as Major Katie said back in February, ABMS leadership saw SecureView and the Device One concept in action. Uh, they were able to see it, understand what it did. So that was fresh in their minds. What we presented to them obviously wasn't a prototype. SecureView has been a mature solution for a decade. We have pedigree uh, and it's already live across the DOD. In addition to that, some of the leadership who saw this, they already had personal experience with SecureView in their offices. So when the recommendation uh, was put out there as to what should be used, a lot of these senior leaders already knew of SecureView and That's in part how the recommendation was made. So while all that sounds very easy, like everything was already in place, there was still a ton to be done to make ADSV a reality out in the field for the teleworkers. What we ended up having to do were pivot a lot of people and a lot of tasking to work through a lot of the the technical details that needed to be resolved to get this fielded. We had to identify uh, a lot of personnel across the DOD who were going to be the recipients of these ADSV devices. We had to implement policy for remote access from home, which clearly wasn't thought of until this happened. Uh, And then, of course, funding was an issue. How do you purchase a 1,000 laptops during a pandemic with a a tremendously short suspense time and get all of the the labor and peripherals and requirements in place to get these completed and out the door. So now the funny thing is at the same time that (laughs) this Herculean effort was happening, this was late March, mid-March, early April. So this was right during the first weeks and, and months of the pandemic. So all of the people, all of the resources that were involved in this, we were all at home everybody was doing this from home. Everybody was learning to telework. Everyone was trying to get their connection to the, you know, the Air Force infrastructure that was being stood up at the time. Everybody was trying to acclimate to what we now call the new normal. There was a lot of people that took part in this and it was a tremendous, tremendous team effort. So if you guys don't mind, um, you know, I want to emphasize some of these people. I want to put a spotlight on it because it's so important. We pulled from so many different teams and so many different people to make the project a reality. And as Major Katie said, that all starts with Dr. Will Roper and Mr. Preston Dunlop from the Office of the Secretary of the Air Force. They literally entrusted us, (laughs) AFRL to make all of this technology work seamlessly in support of this new emerging COVID-related need. In order to do this, once the tasking came down, you needed support from a program office. And the SecureView program office is tremendous. And obviously, it's led by a tremendous person, uh, our program manager, John Woodruff. He was the head coordinator, which made all of this happen. We have to recognize the... Uh, management chain from the AFRL information directorate. They supported us every step of the way. We have to recognize all of the civilians, the various military personnel, and all the contractors that stepped up, you know, working from home during this pandemic to help make all of this a tremendous success. And one thing that I definitely, definitely have to mention is the vendors. None of this would have happened if we didn't have laptops, if we didn't have the supplies, if we didn't have all the peripherals that we needed. And those vendors stepped up like you wouldn't believe, and they met uh, a schedule that, you know, to say it was aggressive, (laughs) it's probably the understatement of the millennium, but it all came together, and those people definitely made it happen. The teams and the people that contributed to this ADSV effort, uh, they did a lot of things. So so first of all, they had a turnaround procurement, procurement of hardware, and they had to do this in a record time, uh, a, a timeline that literally has never been seen before. The ANA process, the assessment and approval process for SecureView and, and to field the solution, this was ridiculous. This is probably the quickest time to field that has ever been seen. And it was done without uh, missing any process steps, which is absolutely critical to the ANA process. The personnel who did this, they did this on the side of their actual day job. So all of the people that worked ADSV, they were working their normal tasking in addition to this new pressing need to get all this out. Uh, There was a ton of people who processed contract actions and made the funding obligations come through uh, with priority, massive priority. And (laughs) we even recognized this, this one guy, this one guy in our branch leadership, who literally went through the phone book on his phone, calling all of his previous coworkers from decades past, trying to hunt down secure packing tape, because We couldn't find any. We couldn't find any in a timely fashion. And it was one of those things that was necessary. So this guy was calling people from 10, 15 years ago, reintroducing himself, saying, hey, you don't by any chance happen to have any secure packing tape you could lend us, do you? So, you know, we got to recognize everybody, no matter what the level of contribution. Without them, this just wouldn't have happened. This was a gigantic team effort. And in addition, this was a gigantic win for the AFRL and for the information directorate. Most importantly, through this entire exercise, the entire activity, it met the Air Force mission need. It provided Air Force leaders with the remote access to the classified data that they needed, and they also did it in a manner which safeguarded the data, and that's kind of one of the most important things uh, as a takeaway from this that everybody needs to know. This, This wasn't just you know, a fly-by-night solution that came out in a short time to meet a need. It met that need, and it met every checkbox required to meet that need. And in the process of doing all of this, the whole motivation for this was to keep the airmen safe from COVID-19, and we did it.
3: Kudos to you and your extended team and the the people and the guys, you know, directory on his contact list that have reached out to help help the Air Force and the DOD and really even uh you know just the united states for this national security effort you know you you were rattling through all the things that needed to happen even things like policy and everyone knows how long it can take for policy to change to roll something out or or just the supply chains as a everyday civilian that i couldn't get what i wanted or what i you know hypothetically needed but you're out here you know in in that same environment and you have no re- rely on the vendors to 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 bend quickly and fast to get what what you need when everyone's probably wanting certain things at the same time as as we went virtual not that all your components are the same but what a tremendous uh, success story for our national security story and then just for the health of our of our country i'm sure there's so many customers out there that were interested in this technology even beyond our air and our space forces it's amazing
2: absolutely
1: and with that, uh, something we always love to ask people, <clears throat> kind of get a good feel for how you worked on this project so uh, closely for both of you, different aspects of it, and got to see it succeed. And like you said, really save lives and respect that you could not only keep airmen safe and people safe at home, but keep that information safe. Is there any unique perspectives or anything that you came out of this uh, wiser for that, let's say, going forward, you you know to implement or something that you you can even teach the next people uh, taking over your position on your team that uh, those wisdoms that have helped you through these times?
2: Well, let me just jump in here a quick, Major Katie, if you don't mind, and I'd, I'd like to frame this in, in the context of a time frame. When you're working on a giant Air Force project that spans decades, it's very rare to see the start of the project, all of the components that take place you know, while the project is developing, when the project is finally fielded, and then still be around to see the results of that. And because of the crazy timeline that we accomplished all of this in, this is a rarity in the Air Force or or the DoD at large to see an entire project from initial concept to execution to deployment to see tangible results and after effects from. Uh, It's just phenomenal. It, It was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced.
1: And uh, Major Katie, I want to open the floor to you as well. If you had any anything like that, big takeaways or uh, anything that really made this uh, th- how this felt to see it all come together.
0: Yeah, it was pretty fantastic uh, seeing something go from beginning to end in literally just a, a matter of months. Even though it's not really the end, but a, a fielded product. Um, you know, I've worked in the space community before, and that's those projects take so long that the one person, um, particularly us military folks that cycle through, would never get to see something through like that but you know one thing that really strikes me about this is here in the lab it's very easy for us to focus on the tech and what goes into something and you know how that type one hypervisor works and, and all of that stuff but then what really matters to most of your users is just what is that experience for them like from when they take it out of the box to when they press the button and it turns on and they log in you know 99 percent of your users that that's all they care about how smooth is it how fast is it and so really making the, the technology just support however they're going to use it and whatever that looks like. And it's really cool to get to, to hear that feedback from people about how it works for them.
1: And how inspiring is that? Yeah, to hear about how these success stories, how people are so thankful for what the work has done and to see a product you all mentioned before that leadership recognized as the tool that could help really keep the workforce safe. And it did. Uh, so that's a big question we had here. Rounding things out was right now we're in a pretty good spot of seeing how um, secure view and everything with the secure systems can work. But going forward, is the product going to remain relevant in in this case at least, like teleworking, or is this going to transition somehow?
0: I would say it is already transitioning um, over to a, a program office in AFLCMC, that's the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center, where most of our program offices for things like this reside. But I think it's going to be more relevant than ever going forward. So. Um, Not just with COVID, I think teleworking is going to be the norm for quite a while based on the messages we're getting from our senior leadership. But within the ABMS program, we're going to capture all of the lessons we learned as we were designing this and fielding this. uh, and, And we're just going to use that to make phone one, tablet one, box one, all the device one devices better going forward, you know, so that we can add more devices and add more networks so that everyone can do their job.
1: Brilliant. Well, that's great to hear that the future is even brighter with the One list, or I should say, the purview of all the different uh, One products. So, uh, we want to thank you both for joining us today and uh, having this great conversation. We, I can definitely say for myself, I learned a lot. Again, I learned what a hypervisor is, which is so cool uh, about couriers <laughs> and other very fascinating things. So, um, thank you again, and we hope uh, the best success for you and your teams. You definitely deserve it. Thank
2: you. It was great to be here with you guys. Thank you, both.
1: Make sure to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube at AF Research Lab. And remember, stay curious.
0: Logging off.